everyone. Welcome to Seeing Color, a podcast that talks with cultural workers and artists of color in order to expand the area of what is a predominantly white space in the arts. I'm your host, Ziwon Chong. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to round two of the special two-year anniversary edition where I revisit three past guests of the show. Last week I talked with Terrene Idea, an internationally based fashion designer, which if you haven't listened to yet already, go check it out. But for this week, I am chatting with Justin Favela, an artist known for his colorful, large-scale installations and sculptures that manifests as interactions with American pop culture and the Latinx experience. In 2018, he won the Alan Turing LGTBIQ Award. He also hosts two culture-oriented podcasts, Latinos Who Lunch and the Art People Podcast. I met Justin three years ago at a residency and have maintained a close long-distance friendship with him since. Hopefully you can hear our familiarity with each other in our banter as we chat about Jose Maria Velasco, performance art, working for Hollywood, and finding a ranch for the future. Justin also inspired me to create this podcast, so visiting him again on the two-year anniversary seemed important as we reflect on both the past and present. I've got one last special episode for you next week, so stay tuned. Until then, I hope you enjoy this. Oh, we're recording. Wow. Showbiz. Showbiz. How's it going, Justin? (laughs) It's going great, considering, you know, the world is on fire, figuratively, literally, uh, you know, in every (laughs) sense. You know, I'm here in Las Vegas, just living my dream in a nightmare, you know? Aren't we all? I I think most of us are more in the nightmare than dream, but... Or, you know, a dream could be a nightmare, too. That's true. That's true. I just want to wake up any any day now. Would be great. <laughs> How's New Hampshire? New Hampshire's good. Uh, I'm trying to think. Nothing new with me. China's, China's borders just open, but it, no one knows what's going on. Um, oh, gosh. I got my motorcycle license, but no motorcycle. I have a show. I have a show opening up in New York. Group show that I'll probably not attend. Uh, it's going to show the Florida Man piece, actually. Oh, nice! That? Of course, I remember that. <laughs> yes, all the cockroaches. I yeah. can never forget it. I'll <laughs> never forget that. Oh, going back to your motorcycle license. Do you have a leather jacket? Yeah. You're ready. You're ready. ready. But you know, okay. but 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 as as I like started thinking about it, like. I'm not sure if I would wear it only only because like there are like better things to wear with protection. Got like, it. Like, like you can buy like jacket with like more pads on it. And I was like, and then also you might want to wear like an orange vest so that you're more visible. Right. Whereas like a, I have a black leather jacket, which is makes me less visible. So. You mean you're not going to grease up your hair and start smoking <laughs> cigarettes and wear a leather jacket all the and time, then go in, and then go into diners and just hit the jukebox <laughs> and your favorite song comes on? Why would you even ride a motorcycle if you're not going to do that? <laughs> I have no idea. Oh. I'm living in a dream, right, or a nightmare? <laughs> you're like, oh, I just want a vehicle with more fuel efficiency. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> yes, yes, Z1, yes. That's, fuel, that's very unbranded. Fuel efficient and safe. <laughs> yeah, safe, safety first. <laughs> safety first. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's up with me. I've uh, been, you know, um, yeah, doing this podcast thing, reading a lot. Oh, I think I told you I just finished up the, actually this morning I just finished up the Roxanne Gay Bad Feminist book. Which, oh, I love her. Did you read that book? Yeah. I, and, uh, I, I learned about her through, I think, one of your uh, Latinas Who Lunch. You, I think sometimes you, you two do like a let's recommend moments and you two recommend stuff, but it's inconsistent. So I remember one of them, I forget if either you or Pablito uh, was mentioning Roxanne Gay, but that's how I found out. You know, this actually ties back to when we were in Florida together like three years ago now, I think. Um, I can't believe it's been three years. I know. We were doing this residency, and I remember Roxanne Gay came out with that book, Hunger, and she was doing a book reading. And I think you went with me. Wait, did I, I, did I see her? She was in, no, she, she we was in Miami? On, we, we went on the wrong day. I like read the website wrong. Uh, I wanted her to sign my book. Because Hunger is the book that I really relate to. Uh-huh. It's like with her relationship with food. Yeah. And I recommended it. I've recommended it and quoted it several times on Latinos for Lunch. So, yeah. I, I feel like we went together, but it was like this weird bookstore in the middle of Miami somewhere in the design district. And Oh, and then did, did Yvette, you and I walk home? Yeah. It was like so. a long walk. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. We went to Miami Beach and then mm-hmm. went to there. And then I think we walked a little and then we just, and then we took an Uber home. Oh my God. Spend so much fucking money on Ubers in Miami. Do better, Miami. Just get a bus. Get a good bus system or something. Jeez. Or just make a city that's not right by the ocean. (laughs) I know. Oh my all those swamp cities in Florida though. My gosh. Speaking of your Florida man piece. Wild. Yeah. For those of you who haven't seen it, it was based off the Florida man myth. Which is that idea that Florida men, for some reason, do bad, weird things, and it makes the headlines in Florida. And actually, uh, um, Donald Glover in Atlanta had an entire episode about it. Oh, yeah. That's probably the best episode with Cat Williams, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't he in it? I yeah. think he, he had an alligator, I think, or I forget. Mm-hmm. Alligator man. <laughs> alligator. <laughs> yeah. But you know what's wild now is that, well, what's not wild is that it's like the headlines everywhere are insane now. Yeah. So it's like, well, our, 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 our Cheeto man's a Florida man, right? Exactly. So it's like, that's just normal now. Remember before we were like, what? There's zombies eating bath salts and eating their faces. And now we're just like, yeah, that's cool. It's all right. You know, <laughs> yeah. whatever. They're not harming anybody but themselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been a, it's been a strange time. I mean, it's just, I can't believe how quickly and I guess constantly like the rate of how, I mean, how we have to like kind of numb ourselves because I feel like we're very desensitized to what's happening right now, just to like try to be live like a normal life. You know, I feel like, especially like with my family, they just like ignore everything that's going on and just pretend everything's fine. You know, your your family pretends everything's fine. Yeah, I feel like there's people. I mean, I'm in Las Vegas, so my studio is like downtown, like Fremont Street, old, Mm -hmm. old Vegas. Like, so I see I see the tourists when I'm going coming into my studio and they're like have their yard long margaritas. No masks with their 
No, with their masks on, but you know, they pull them down to drink them, but they're still like <laughs> in the casinos. I'm like, what is the point? Why are you here? Last night was a perfect picture of America right now. One of my good friends, Fawn Douglas, she's a uh, um, a member of the Southern Paiute tribe here in in Nevada. They're they're one of the indigenous groups, and she she's really an amazing artist, powerful leader. She's amazing, and she's really concerned about COVID because of because it's what it's done to the native community, and so she's being very careful. So she hasn't really been protesting, um, but she's just had enough, and she was telling me this idea she had. Um, and she she performed the action yesterday at the ICE building that's here in Las Vegas, which happens to be one block from my studio. So, you know. Wait, uh, the ICE building uh, is one block from your studio? Yeah, the Homeland Security building oh, is one block from my studio. Because I'm like in the, I'm in downtown, like by the courthouses and all that, okay, you know. like. Yeah. And so she wanted to make a statement about the hysterectomies that are allegedly happening on the border. There's a doctor oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. Uh, has performed. I mean, they're calling him like, he's just giving all these women without hysterectomies. Without, 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 consent. without consent. Yeah. A lot of Mexican women, even indigenous women, black women, it, it, it's pretty much anybody that's in the detention centers that goes in with that needs medical help when it comes to, you know, any, any kind of OBGYN situation. So she, she took these hospital gowns and like poured blood on them and then wrote genocide on them and did the silent protest with, with members of her tribe and other members of the community. And they mm-hmm. like sat out, they stood outside of Homeland Security building last night. And I was there as one of the people to kind of just like monitor the situation because they're really sneaky, you know, the cops. Um, and there was a lot of unmarked vehicles driving around circling us, but it was a silent protest. So I think they weren't, they didn't feel threatened, you know, but it was at the beginning of a bigger protest that started later in the night, in the evening um, that we joined after that. And it was so powerful because a lot of people didn't know what was happening at first, I think people thought it was like uh, an anti-abortion demonstration because of the way that the, you know, that the blood was presented. But then once you read the signs, you saw that it was different. So a lot of people were shocked that we're just on the street at what was happening, because like I said, everybody just kind of ignores the news yeah. right now because it's the only way to just stay sane. Yeah. And, you know, we are told or it's ingrained in us, you know, from childhood, like to be patriotic and to believe in our country. And I think a lot of people are just so upset that that people just can't believe that their country that they stand for, that they're so proud of is willingly doing this to people, you know, Um, because or or there some people are proud that it's happening. Right. But it's like, wow, we're literally right now in 2020 sterilizing people of color that we then place in detention centers, in cages, and run down motels on the border yeah. in 2020. You know, like, oh my gosh. So then join the rest of the protest last night, which is on Fremont Street, which is like downtown, neon lights, mm-hmm. party city, you know? And there's like girls in their like hoochie nightgown, you know, not nightgown, night, nightlife outfits, you know, looking fly going clubbing. with their masks on and they're, you know, they're strutting the street. And then like 
you know, rednecks drinking beers and whatever. You know, it's like a great mix on this on on Fremont Street, and then us protesting at the same time, and people just confused as to why we're ruining their night. You know, <laughs> and it's like ugh, it feels so hopeless, but at the same time, it feels like we're doing something. And even even those like five six cars that pulled over and asked us questions yesterday. I mean, I know that made a difference, you know, oh, because yeah. maybe they'll tell other people and I don't know, maybe somebody that knows somebody is going to talk to somebody that works in government and something will actually be done. So it's just like this ongoing struggle. And it's really, it's really just, it's just really disheartening and like, yeah. and exhausting. And so since quarantine, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster like of emotions for me because I it's like I go from this thing is like I'm not doing enough and then oh my god I'm fucking tired why doesn't anybody help us yeah and then like oh my god I'm burned out I got to take a week off and just like zone out and like watch yeah. bad reality TV you know it's like it's these constant cycles yeah and I'm just trying to figure out the best way to protect my energy so that I can be useful yeah. and helpful yeah, in exactly. the best way that I can, you know? So yeah, yeah. I've been saying this a lot. Someone else told me this and I've repeated it a bunch, but sort of like you got to retreat to treat, you know? Yes. Amen. Amen to that. And so that's what I've been trying to do. And at the same time, like I had to establish a studio practice because I'm usually doing installations wherever in random cities and now I have a studio and I try to come in here. You know, my capitalist training has taught me that I must at least work eight hours a day with a 30 minute lunch break. And so that's kind of what I try to do, come in and work on stuff for, for eight hours a day. And I try to leave my work here and then go home and like be a normal person or, or you know, or go help somebody do something else. Or yeah. um, Because I did, I think I did realize too, like with this I've talked about it on my podcast before is like, I didn't realize how thinly like I, my, my energy and my, and you know, I was stretched. And so yeah. I could have, I could have told you two years ago. I know. I know. <laughs> don't, don't start with me. Z1. Okay. Uh, don't, don't you. Okay. So, you know, I'm like, Oh, it would be nice to have like a personal life, yeah. you know, because I, I don't think I've had one for many years now. And so I think, I'm like training myself now to do that. Like, okay, I'm, I wrap up at 8 p.m. and then I can go home and just like be with friends or maybe someday be with a partner or just go watch a movie yeah. or make dinner. <laughs> like, but you know what's funny? Every time, shit. every time I've hung out with you, you've I always met you, at, I think, at moments where you were not stressed out, right? So in Miami, you weren't really... You're just sort of making work. You're, you know, exploring Miami by itself, you know, with or without me, you know, in London, in, in London and then in Berlin, you know, it was always, I always met you when you were on vacation. I think. Yes. So, yes. So I've never met you when you're working eight hours a day. Yeah. Actually in Denver, I was working, but, but you were, we would see each other at night, I guess. Yeah. But, um, after I got out of work, but Yeah. And I feel bad. I, I feel bad sometimes because I know you're a good planner and like type A. And my I know I've talked about this with my other friends. My fault so sometimes is like when I meet somebody that's like that's type A and like likes to plan. 
I like completely just let go because like I trust I trust the person <laughs> to like make all the decisions and I'm like oh my god I can finally fucking relax and I think that's what you are to me like whenever I see you I'm like Z1's here I like Z1's company it doesn't matter if we just like walk around in circles that's <laughs> relaxing to me so whatever we do it's cool like I don't care because I've literally I get you I think we've hung out at points in my life where I'm like, I literally don't even want to make, I don't want to even use my brain to make one single, like, I swear to God, if somebody asked me, like, where do you want to eat? I'm going to fucking flip this table over right now. Cause I just don't want to make any more fucking decisions anymore. You know what I mean? Like, have you ever gotten to that point where like somebody just tell me what to do because I'm tired of making decisions. Yeah. And I get to, I get to that point, like every three three to six months oh, okay. and I don't want to I don't want to have to get to that point anymore yeah that's why I'm trying to like balance yeah yeah you know yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 it's a lot it's a lot but yeah so but then that's the silver lining in the I guess in the quarantine right you've been able to all the projects you know based on when we've talked on the phone you've been able to push back a lot of the projects which are canceled or or just delayed and you've been able to you know i think you mentioned to me you're like able to think without having all these deadlines yeah i mean that was the case uh until a couple months ago and now i'm like i'm back on my bullshit i'm busy as hell like mm. i have all these commissions blessed i'm blessed hashtag <laughs> blessed oh my god uh book busy and blessed but um I still have to say no to more stuff or ask for more money, you know, which is like the thing that I struggle with a lot. But, you know, since we met in Florida, that that was the beginning of me not having a day job when you met me. Mm. I had just quit my my official like I was a curator at the for Clark County. for like, Yeah. And so then I haven't worked at a day job since then. Yeah. So just all, all commissions, right? All commission work, yeah. All com and and you know, like, I guess I'm kind of like a consultant for for some people doing some projects. I've I've been getting into that. So, what have you been working on since things have been picked up again? Well, it's been really great because a lot of museums have actually been reaching out and trying to figure out a way to support me financially or like still make something happen, even though I didn't have an actual exhibition or presentation at the museums, which is yeah you know that gig life where you go give a lecture and you do a workshop and you pretend that you like to do all that stuff um <laughs> like because i do this is the thing i think we talked about this last time it was like people think i like kids because my work is colorful and i do like kids it's just like i'd rather do workshops with adults because mm, they know yeah. how to clean up after themselves sometimes but, um sometimes but I've actually been working on a few commissions right now, which is really nice. So I'm making a, I think I can say, I'm making a painting for New Mexico State University Art Museum right oh, now. Oh, awesome. Uh-huh. Um, in Las Cruces. Because uh, I will be in a show there uh, that opens in January, but they want to, it's very installation based. So everything's really large. And they said so they wanted me to make something smaller that they could actually purchase and put in acquire for their collection, mm. which is so nice. I mean, never in a million years when I was going to art school, did I imagine that my work would be in like a museum collection. And so uh, whenever I'm asked to do, I mean, whenever anybody buys anything for a museum collection, I'm always like, 
I'm still in shock that it happens. But then when it's like a very personal commission and they say, you can do whatever you want. We just want something along this line. And they trust me. Like, I, I love that. So I'm, I'm doing this beautiful landscape painting of the Las Cruces landscape for the Las Cruces Art Museum right now. And it's... What's the Las Cruces landscape mean? They have these really amazing mountains there. I think it's called the Pipe Organ uh-huh. uh, Monument or okay. Pipe Organ Mountains. And it's like, you know, they're just like these really cool ridged mm-hmm. mountains that you can see anywhere in Las Cruces that are beautiful. So I'm going to make, I'm going to make that. I'm going to make a couple sculptures too. And then have those be incorporated into the installation that I have already made that is traveling. And actually it was first. So I made this show in Las Vegas, the curator saw the work here. She picked a few pieces from that show and is going to show it in Las Cruces kind of Mm. thing. Yeah. And so, and then I I'm doing some other private commissions for big institutions that are very similar in the sense of like these landscape pinata paintings that I'm making they're the, they're based on the original ones that I started are based on Jose Maria Velasco paintings, like 16th yeah, yeah, century. Yeah. You started this series, paintings. like I think a year and a half ago, right? Yeah. And so my goal is to make all like 200 and whatever paintings that are archived that Velasco made. That's a lot. And yeah, I think I'm like 30 something in, so I'm getting there. Are they, are, are you trying to copy them the exact same size? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the exact okay. size. The color changes because I have a palette of 28 colors that I use. I translate the paintings into my color palette. Uh, and I yeah. I have I have these little rules. Like I'll, I try to use every single color in every painting so that they're really... You mean all, so, all, all the colors you have available, it has to somehow make its way into each painting? I, tr- I try, but it's hard. Because he has some black and white paintings, like what, black and white drawings that would look just too crazy, I think, if I used all the colors. So I use like five or six when it's like a black and white drawing instead of all, of all the colors you need to sh- you, when you finish you need a show with all of his work that you made next to yours yeah I, you know also ever since i've met you i've been working on my website well, <laughs> and uh did i mean I why have, i still haven't updated it since i met you so did all, i make a so comment all, about your website no i just I just remember when I was in Florida, I was like, this time I have time. I'm going to sit here. It's fucking hot outside. I don't want to go outside. I'm going to work on my website. <laughs> never, never did it. I'm always like, Ziwan, you want to go get ice cream? Um, and then in, uh, remember I was in Maine at that residency and I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. I got, I'm here for a whole month. What I've, I've already had lobster. I went to the ocean, right? I went to the island over there. I think I've seen it all. Okay, now I have, now I have to work on my website. Never did it. So you had, um, a, di- you had a diary journal of the seagulls outside your window, right? Yeah, I was like, I have to update my Instagram followers on how this baby seagull is doing every day. I don't have time to update my website. But yeah, so so the nice thing about those paintings is that people love them, and then also. Because who everybody loves landscape paintings, you know, it's like yeah. cross-cultural. And so it's nice because museums will be like, well, we're looking for something around this size or or collectors. And so then I can send them a list of Jose Maria Velasco paintings that I'm already planning on making, mm-hmm. you know, and so it kind of not checks those off. And then you can probably um, get a commission out of it as you're making it, right? 
yeah so I, it's happened before where some somebody's like i would love one that has a volcano in the middle and has red accents and this and this because you know it's kind of ma- it's got to match their couch or whatever <laughs> and i'll just go through the archive and i'm like actually i found one there usually is one that they want you know because Velasco was also making art for the people like yeah, that yeah. wanted to hang shit over their couches, you know? So it's yeah, like, yeah. of course, that painting exists. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty easy to match whatever they need. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been working on that. And uh, what else? I'm just, you know, I'm, I have my podcast. You have and, two podcasts, oh, right? Yeah. Your Art People Pod I'm, and your Latinos Lunch. Latinos Who Lunch is the OG. You've been on that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've been on both. Look at you, cross-cultural superstar. And I started that one like five years ago. And it's a a podcast I started with my friend Babelito, who's an art historian. And at the time, I mean, I started listening to podcasts like 10, 15 years ago when there was like five of them. Which is insane. And now, yeah, and now there's like, what, a million, (laughs) literally. Um, a whole bunch just popped up during the pandemic. Oh, everybody has yeah, a, every everyone, celebrity, everyone. every comedian. I can't keep up. I and know, then it's and then a lot of people have multiple podcasts. And like, I can't keep up with I these. Know. I literally am now on. I think I follow a five Patreon only podcast now. Like, there's so oh, much. Which, which there's, five? There's well, there's well, not you're not Patreon only, but there's you're on Patreon. But um, my favorites. Uh, I listen to this show called The Ajuma Show. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, it, I, I've listened to a few. They're funny and they have Patreon exclusive episodes uh, or they like s- spill hot tea, like what they don't say in the show, they'll say it to their uh, Patreon. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, there's this podcast called Jaden XD that I really, really love. And it's it's called The Blackest Show About Nothing. And it, I just have been listening to them for years before listening to us lunch. So, they put out weekly or sometimes twice a week episodes on there and on the regular feed. So I listen to that. I also listen to <laughs> this podcast called We Love Trash um, <laughs> with Mano Agapian, Betsy Sadaro. They're comedians that just like get drunk or high and talk about dumb reality TV show. So like stuff like that, you know, yeah, like just yeah. like people that I love that I just like want more content from, you know? Yeah. And so... I just have to be careful. I'm like, I got to keep my Patreon budget to like $50 a month. I can't, I can't, I can't be spending too much money on this. Um, since, cause there are thousands of free podcasts that I can listen to yeah. everywhere. Yeah. But Latinos for Lunch, I think it came from me not finding a podcast that I could relate to, like in yeah. the sense of Latinidad, like just like queer Latinos just talking and it was inspired by podcasts like The Read at the time and like Another Round. I really love those shows. There's, there was this podcast called For Colored Nerds that I really loved. Uh, it's it's evolved now. It's called The Nod, which I think yeah, yeah. Brittany and Eric have a show on Quibi now, uh, a, a TV show from that. And so, um, yeah, that's how, that's how Latinos Lunch started. And at first it was like, oh, yeah, we're going to teach these devils. And then it's like, <laughs> I'm tired. I don't want to teach these devils and I'm not an academic. And I think, and and the response from a lot of the listeners was like, it's like I'm sitting at the kitchen table with my cousins just talking shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so I really leaned into that and kind of started producing the show in that sense or like, yeah. I had to be like, we need to stop playing characters and just like, just let's be ourselves, which in a way, 
I thought you always wear yourselves. Yeah, but I I, I think I had a few filters on. Like when you listen to me on Latinos for Lunch, I'm truly just being goofy and not worried about. I am worried about being politically correct, but uh, I'm also I also know that the audience, if I say something stupid, they know that I'm not. You know that I'm learning and that I'm I'm also joking and that I trust them. Yeah. You know, so it's like. It's been this long thing, which sometimes I worry because I'm like, what if somebody listens to the latest episode with no context? So I have to like kind of reel it back yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, but whenever like Babalito wants to do a serious episode, I feel like I have to, I do the, like, I have to like do the intro like super crazy because I'm uh, like, <laughs> to balance it. You have to, you have to, you have to be the jokester. I don't know. I just like the, ba- I, I like that. I like that tension. I like the tension, but also just like, it's like, you know, there's a, I mean, in all comedy, I, somehow we became a comedy podcast. Um, which is really funny, I think. <laughs> which is funny because, A, because Babalito is not funny at all, which is perfect because. Uh, shots he's fired. The, <laughs> shots fired are the truth. Um, so, but Babalito is funny. I will say he's funny. He's just he's just not as quick in English, which yeah. I he's we've talked about on the show before. Yeah. And me too. Like I'm not as quick in Spanish. It takes me it takes me some time to like get into the to because comedy, like just being funny in, in Spanish is a whole different rhythm and wordplay that I cannot I'm not yeah. fast enough for it. I can't. Oh my gosh. Well humor in general is just one of the hardest things to like really get a grasp on in a language that you're learning. Oh my God, Z1. I'm watching RuPaul's Drag Race Holland right now. They have a Hol- <laughs> the first season of Holland. Just Wait, is started. RuPaul hosting that? Uh, no, it's a, it's, 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 a, it's a, like a syndicate it's a, or something. I think it's a it's a Dutch drag queen or whatever. But uh, she but she's she comes up in the messages still. But she doesn't host it. Like it's RuPaul's Drag Race Holland, but it's hosted by a by a different drag queen same with canada but the but rupaul does all like the the intros, male yeah, intros yeah. Yeah, and all that yeah but i was watching the first episode this past week and i was like i did not i didn't get what was funny like nothing <laughs> cuz i'm just reading the subtitles and i'm like damn like it's all really lost in translation it's yeah, just like yeah. the inflection yeah. or the rhyming of the words yeah, yeah. that we're not getting you know yeah um or pop culture so, references yeah all of I don't it know. and it's and it was i i can totally imagine that being even more complicated because they're you know inherent in drag is a lot of like wordplay and also performing and multiple layers of irony that are being stacked on top of one another right yeah it's just all culture because I, because i'm watching drag race thailand too and I, I think that show is really funny. Like I mm. get that comedy, but mm. it's just because it's like a different school yeah, of comedy, yeah, I think, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, oh my God. And like Drag Race Canada, everybody was so polite the whole time. And I'm like, this is so boring to watch. <laughs> Everybody's just best buddies on the show. <laughs> Which is so great. Uh-huh. But um, back to Latinos for Lunch. Yeah, it's 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 been... You know, Latinos Who Lunch has been a, a real labor of love, and I'm happy that we've stuck with the show for so long. And I've really, what Latinos Who Lunch has really showed me so far is that, like, if you really want to find community out there, it's possible. And like-minded people and a family that isn't, you know, your that's your chosen family, you can actually do that online. You know, you don't have yeah. to do it 
You don't have to do it in person. And I'm glad that I had that experience finding that out before this pandemic, because honestly, I think, I mean, we talk a lot or check in once in a while, you know, but like through the podcast, I've met a lot of online friends where our relationship is like FaceTiming and texting all the time and doing this and doing that. And those friendships, I think, through Latinos Who Lunch have really, like, have been a really positive thing and, like, helped my mental health a lot. So I'm really grateful for that and the community surrounding Latinos Who Lunch because they're like, oh, my God, like, as soon as we threw up a Patreon for Latinos Who Lunch, we got so many people that signed up. It was so touching and, like, shocking because, like, nobody's going to pay us for you know, more of this bullshit every month. And there, you know, so many loyal listeners signed up. It's really amazing. Um, By the way, I still owe you guys coloring books this month. They will be coming. (laughs) The post office, you know, it's backed up. That's one of the prizes or Patreon exclusives. Yeah, Yeah. some of them get coloring books. (laughs) And they're messaging me like, when are they coming? I'm like, I don't know, ask Trump. Um, So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, or not as Trump. You probably, don't want, don't, you, you probably don't want his answer. Yeah. And then I think over a year ago, two years ago, I don't even know anymore. I started the Art People podcast, which I've been thinking about for a while because I, I learned, I've learned so much about myself and identity and social justice through Latinos Who Lunch and the people that I've met on that yeah. show that, um, you know, whenever. Whenever I feel really uncomfortable about something, mm-hmm. um, I can't stop thinking about it. And I want to investigate that feeling more. And it's like something annoying that is like part of my personality. And so I've, you know, just in the last five years, I've like come up in the ranks a little bit, you know, in the art world or whatever. And I've just faced... Woo-hoo. I know, like, I just have had so many uncomfortable conversations about art in general with curators and, like, at artist dinners and, and you know, you, you know, <laughs> yes. And I'm like, God, I just don't, this is not how I like to talk about art. Mm. Like, this is so, I don't know, sometimes it's, like, so sterile or lofty or just, like, I feel like I'm talking about something like in a different, sometimes I'm like, what dimension are you fucking in? Like, this is nothing. This is not, I don't know. It's like, it's very frustrating because you have to play the game as an artist to get ahead. But then like, every time you do that, every time I would do that, like a little bit of my soul would kind of be chipped away. And then I, and then I reckon I have a, I thankfully I have enough self-awareness that, I realize that I'm also part of the problem sometimes and that I'm like regurgitating the same bullshit that I hear other people saying. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't even think that. Yeah. Like, why am I being such a fucking hater, you know? And so the Art People podcast, I think I really wanted to force myself. uh, This is honestly what it is. It's like I'm forcing myself to have conversations about art because I don't like talking about art. Mm. And so it's just practice for me. Like... Oh my God, just the thought of talking about an abstract painting with somebody for 30 minutes, <laughs> like shoot me. Oh my God, like please end my life. But I've done it on the show, you know, like you can do it, you know, like 
And so it's just taken me for selfish reasons. That's what it is. I don't think um, you ever told me that. I have never told you that. No, you ne- you never told me the reason you just you just said. I, I I didn't know that was the reason. Well, because they're because what people want to hear is me being like, oh, well, you know, I have such a big platform and I love my artist <laughs> friends and I just want them to shine, and like, okay, cool, but we're also fucking artists and we're narcissists and we think that we think what we make is important. Like, let's be real about that. Let's talk about that. And I'm also like, I'm very self-centered and I'm not a good listener. And I don't care about a lot of things that I should care about. And I don't want to be that way. So like this show honestly has taught me how to listen. And oh my God, I'm learning so much, you know, about the world, about myself, about people that I've loved and talked to for years. And I have them on the show and they drop some knowledge on me. Or tell me a story that I've mm. never known. And I'm just like, wow, this is incredible, you yeah, know? So yeah. because we don't need another fucking podcast. We don't need another fucking podcast. But we do at the same time, right? Like seeing color, right? Like, I don't know how many years I've spent listening to these, like, you know, these these, these white cis het men just talk about the same bullshit on these major art podcasts. And even when they bring in a person of color, it's always from the perspective of the white man. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, today we have a token on the show to spice it up because we're bland as fuck, you know? And I'm like, oh, cool, cool. An episode that I can relate to. And then (laughs) next week we're back on the same bullshit, you know? Abstract painting. Right. And so, and no shade, you know what? In two years from now, when you interview me again, I might be an abstract painter, so I can't be talking shit. I just I just painted a mural in a museum here. I, I helped a friend paint a mural in a museum in town. And I'm like, I was loving the, the process of painting. Like actual uh, painting. Not, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. the, I, I, yeah, with paint, with okay. paint. And we were doing this, we threw up this mural at the Marjorie Barrick Museum of Art. I helped curate the show. Um, and so... It's open now. It's called Future Relics. And the artist Giovanni Uranda, who designed the Latinos Want Coloring Book, I, I had him do a mural in the museum and it was so fun painting. And after the first day, I was like, I think I can do this. I'm going to be a painter. And then after the second day, I'm like, nah. What, what, what happened on the second day? It became work? <laughs> Yeah, it became work because I had these really nice crisp outlines on the painting that I did not have the patience uh, to do. And uh, so that's when I thought, oh, but if I'm an abstract painter, I don't have to worry about crisp <laughs> outlines. <laughs> so maybe that's what I'm going to start doing, abstract painting. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But so the Art People podcast. And, and, and honestly, because like, we're being 100% honest right now on your show. It's also, it's also, we're artists and, you know, we're full-time artists. And I'm so thankful also that I've thought about diversifying my income years ago. Like, I can't just be the guy that makes pinata paintings. I also have to be the guy that makes lowriders, the guy that makes this. And I'm always trying to, like, diversify the medium in that sense. Um, but then I'm like, okay, I also have these podcasts. So I have the skill of talking about nothing. Mm. for hours on end cool that's actually a skill that i can use so 
let me transfer that and make it entertaining for me to do lectures. So now mm. I'm asked to do lectures or to yeah. host conference. Like I've hosted conferences, I've done lectures. So now I'm kind of in a little bit in that circuit of like artists that come to schools and talk, you know? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's a paycheck, right? Oh, now I have a podcast. So when I'm invited to an institution and they're asking me, I have a meeting with the education department or the whatever and they're they're asking me like oh what do you think about programming well actually i have this podcast about art and i could interview somebody and what's your budget for um you know events like that and mm. oh we can take that out of the education budget and do this and this you know yeah you gotta it's it's been helpful i've done live art people podcasts um and so how's that it's been? a way fun it's great i mean it's it has, it's kind of hard if it's with somebody you don't know. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it is a performance. But, yeah. um, like I said, I can talk about. I could. I I love you know just talking to people and and getting that energy from an audience. I love that. So the, the Art People podcast has also been a vehicle for that. And we were supposed to do two live episodes this year, but it, they got canceled because of COVID. Um, but I'm hoping to continue that in the future for sure yeah yeah so you know and it, and it's also been cool just learning a new medium like audio you know i'm not the best at it but you know i've been putting out episodes for a few years now and yeah, yeah. they're audible <laughs> <laughs> yeah they've no they've gotten better i remember i listened you know i have, I have to i have to admit i haven't been keeping up with the podcasting in terms of listening because I realize that I really enjoy listening to podcasts while driving. But if I'm not driving, I have a hard time sitting down and listening. But while I was road tripping, you know, two years ago or a year and a half ago, I I, I listened to all your episodes actually up to that point. And the art people or Latinos who lunch. Latinos who lunch. Oh my god, that's a and, lot of episodes. And but you know, I saw I saw it improve each time. And then I did I did keep up with your art people pod. I think for the first year that I was out um, yeah it, it's hard now because I mean because of what's happening I find myself also tuning out because we're all talking about the same things a lot of times and like sometimes I just can't I just I just like I just want to listen to something stupid I've actually been listening to more music now because yeah, yeah. just to like I don't know it, it it's too much a lot of times so I totally get it and there's so many there's so many podcasts out there. So my next thing, this is a, this is an exclusive, is I do want to, I love structure when it comes to podcast. I mean, structure when it comes to anything is just like, it's just less stressful if there's a plan, you know, mm -hmm. for me. I mean, in, in any situation, but I just, I love that. So I love the podcasts that are recaps of TV so like, shows. Yeah, yeah, TV shows, movies, reactions. Yeah. Yeah. And so... My brother and I, we did this Patreon exclusive episode about Hillary Duff um, because my brother loves Hillary Duff. And I thought it was a joke. Like I thought this was like a, a, a bit we had between us of like whenever we mentioned Lizzie McGuire, Hillary Duff, whatever, like we would just go off and like say all the wonderful things about her. And I was doing it in like a mocking way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And my, but my brother was doing it really earnestly. Like he loves Hillary Duff. 
And so I didn't know that until we did the podcast because I was like, oh, bro. I was like, bro, wouldn't it be funny if we did this podcast? We'd call it the Hillary Doofs. And what we do is we'd go to her IMDb and just go down the line of what she does and just either do a watch along where people can watch along and we talk over it. Or we just do recaps of like every episode of Lizzie McGuire, every movie she's been in, every TV show she's Mm -hmm. been in. Mm -hmm. And so like, let's do a pilot episode. So we did a pilot episode for the Patreon uh, on Latinos for Lunch. And it was really fun. It was really fun and dumb. And (laughs) we talked about a lot of things. We talked about politics and it just spurred all these conversations oh, and nice. about about authenticity and like white mediocrity and this and my brother and I were fighting about it because he really loves Hillary and he, he thinks Hillary Duff is so talented you know and I just could not <laughs> believe what I was hearing <laughs> so you're and, realizing this in real time uh, in real time and so <laughs> <laughs> and I love that about my, and I love my brother's passion, even though like it got, you know, we, <laughs> it got kind of, you know, he's straight. So sometimes the straights get kind of violent when they're getting, when they're passionate. Uh, but <laughs> like he, he didn't hit me, but he was, he, we started yelling at each other and I'm also loud. So anyway, um, but I, I really want to, I, I really want to do something fun mm. like that. Mm. um in the future i don't know if this year but maybe next year because i feel like i don't know it was just a nice it was just nice bonding time with my brother but then at the same time i enjoy podcasts like that but we're thinking about um because i want to tie it in i always want to tie it into my art practice and lately ever since i got tiktok actually i wanted to make a tiktok that also was on this topic but i want to do a podcast about lou diamond phillips who's that um Lou Diamond Phillips is a Filipino American actor that always plays either Native Americans or Mexicans in mm. movies. He was Richie Valens in La Bamba. Hmm. Have you seen La Bamba? Mm-mm. Oh, I got to send you a list of Chicano movies that are must watch. And La, La Bamba is one of them. It's the story of Richie Valens. So Richie Valens spoiler alert spoiler alert if nobody knows who's richie valens he actually died in a tragic plane crash with buddy holly Mm. like back 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 in the day um and he was like a chicano icon he was like he was like selena before selena like Mm. back in the 50s 60s -hmm. okay and so he was like he was a he was a mexican-american that made it to the mainstream so when he did La Bamba, that solidified him as like a Chicano figure, but he's not Chicano. Right, right. And and it actually, there's a lot of similarities between the movie Selena and Lou Diamond Phillips. But mm. those dynamics about race and identity are very intriguing to me yeah, and very inspiring for my artwork. And so I really want to do a podcast where we just, we start at the very first commercial or TV movie he ever did and just like work our way through his whole thing. He's with been, with, he's with your working, brother. With my brother. We're, we're going to call it the Lou Diamond Fellas. Please, <laughs> nobody steal that. <laughs> but yeah, Lou Diamond Phillips, um, I think would be, because he's been in so many movies. Yeah. So like when you see him, you'll recognize him. Mm. And then, yeah. And then, and then I think that will definitely inspire 
some artwork form from me. You know, I always have these little fantasies of like being, again, things that make me uncomfortable of what? being a, a performance artist because I think performance art is so fucking. <laughs> I gotta be. I gotta be careful because I know your listeners. Some of them have been performing. Some of your guests have been. Performing. No, 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 it's cool. Okay. It's cool. No, go, go for it. Go for it. But a lot of times, okay, I'm just gonna be completely honest. I go see these performance pieces and I'm like, oh my god, this is so fucking terrible. And they're like, especially like endurance performance art. I'm like, who is enduring this? <laughs> Me? It, am I doing the performance or is the artist doing the performance? Right now, I feel like I'm doing the performance. Yeah. I'm struggling just to stand here and pay attention to this shit. <laughs> like, I, I feel like, so a lot of times I'm like, are these performance artists just fucking with us? You know? And I know they're not. I know a lot of times they're not. And so, and some of them are, I could tell some of them are on purpose. I'm like, you are, you're a motherfucker. You, you are really putting us through it for you to make a statement about whatever, some, <laughs> whatever. I'm not, if I say an example, it's going to be directed at, at people who know who I'm talking about. Oh. But anyway, <laughs> um, I, I, and, and again, it's, it's, it's also my ignorance, right? Like, I don't like performance art, so I haven't studied it. And once you once you learn about something and you study it and you start to really re- do the research, you end up you end up liking that subject or you end up liking that or you're understanding it better. So I think that's where I'm gonna that's where this yeah. is going. Hmm. You know, me like getting because I remember like five years ago, I was like, land art, who do these white people think? What do these white people think? They're just gonna dig holes in the ground and call it art. These motherfuckers. With God complexes, God, the, colon- <laughs> the colonization continues, right? And now I'm like speaking at land art conferences because yeah, I respond yeah, to land yeah, art. Yeah, you, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, you made a land art, and I'm now I make land art, yeah, right? Yeah. Because guess what? <laughs> I'm also a white man, boozled. Okay, so yeah, um, yeah, because you hit the uh, the tires, right? Making fun of the uh, magic uh, was it Magic Mountain, right? I responded to that Ugo Rondon. Yeah. I don't know how to say it. I don't name. know his last name. Uh, yeah. Rondonani. Rond- yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I responded. And then I've also responded to Michael Heiser's works. And oh, right. Those, yes, you did. Yeah, those, yeah, yeah. Those have gotten a lot of attention. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm interested in performance art. But again, it's all through podcasting. And it's this thing, I think, with me is like, I also, I also understand that a realization that I've had recently, this idea of that I always have to be working is this mentality that I've had since I was a kid. And it's like, I, I believe that this value is instilled in a lot of Latinos and immigrant families mm-hmm. um, in the United States is like our value is how, you know, is our labor, you know, like we're seen as a labor force and that's why we're important and strong and valuable and it's like so i i'm always thinking about well how could this be work or yeah. how could this relate to my work yeah instead of letting things kind of go yeah um so i'm kind of trying to like restructure the way that i think and and like how do i make my work fun instead of thinking the other way which is like i'm having too much fun this isn't work 
you know mm-hmm. i'm trying so to do you, the so opposite do you, so you think performance will be your your way into that i don't think so because most performance artists that i know are miserable but <laughs> <laughs> you know what, you know what i think the funniest thing is that you feel pressured doing the performance from the like performance artists and art intellectuals but i would have thought your interest from it came from just watching drag shows which is interesting and about entertainment. I'm surprised that you are trying to go at it from the academic, art academic perspective. It's because I, I understand drag. Like I get drag because it's like, okay, I'm I am this male presenting or whatever you present. And, and I'm this person that walks around in the world presenting as this. Yeah. And at night I'm going to completely transform into this glamazon or into this, you know, can't be drag yeah. queen or into this gorgeous being, whatever you are, yeah. drag king, drag queen, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And you're this character and you're, you're like powerful and then you can take it off. Like I get that. And that's, to me, that's less, to me, that's less intimidating than being like this. I am an artist and yeah. I'm making a statement about this as myself. Yeah. No, thank you. Like so that scares and I, you and and you want to understand that. Yeah, and honestly, mm. like there's this term in Spanish. Actually, people have been using it in English a lot, pena henna, which is the closest translation is secondhand embarrassment. Hmm. So like when I see performance artists, mm. I like get embarrassed <laughs> for them. I'm like, oh <laughs> this is embarrassing. Oh my god, I can't believe they're doing that. Oh yeah. you know, yeah. and so but again, that's like a very narcissistic, selfish thing because I'm putting myself in their shoes and I'm, it's a, it's like, it's a reflection of me. It's not a reflection of what they're doing, you know? So I'm like, well, why am I so embarrassed for them? See that those uncomfortable feelings. Yeah. Like I want to know, you know? Yeah. I would be, I would be, I think a little uncomfortable, like getting in a corset and putting on makeup and having to put contacts in and all that. That's, and I and I and I do want to try that sometime, but I, I feel I feel like it's it's more of a challenge to to do these subtle, more subtle performances that performance yeah. artists do. Because it's like a drag show, you get it. You got the club mix on, everybody's drinking, everybody's happy, you come out, boom, you do your performance, you you know, you do yeah. whatever. Whatever you do as a drag queen, you come out and you do it, and it's entertaining. But I mean, just the gall of these artists to be like, look, <laughs> I am important and I'm going to go into this gallery and move this rock, this pile of rocks from here to there, wearing a nightgown uh, with a candle burning on my head. And I'm going to and and I'm going to just do it for six hours. And you can eat cheese and drink wine while I'm doing this. Is this a real artist? <laughs> no, I just made that up. But it's like it sounds great. amazing. <laughs> it's at the yeah, it's at the Whitney next year. Yeah. Just wait. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, and so I think that's I think that's why mm. I think that's why I'm, it's it's just uncomfortable for me because it's like hmm. I don't know, and it and then it's also interesting to think about like. <sighs> Well, like who decides what is good performance art and like, you think is that decides... much different than like who decides what's a good painting or sculpture? No, you know what? You're right. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's absolutely, you're absolutely right. Now that, now that you mentioned that, I think you're right. But I mean, I would say, I would, I would say like, 
Yeah, I'm surprised. Almost, almost, because like I'd be like, I don't care. What do you mean? Well, like, because I do think there's so many. Th- I, what I'm fascinated by in your interest is like there's so many things in the world that don't make sense, and so we have to kind of pick and choose what we want to get into and what makes us uncomfortable, right? And like, mm. like yeah, performance can be uncomfortable, but like the fear I would have from your perspective would be like just because you see a lot of it, it then gets more familiar, which doesn't necessarily make it more understandable, but just you're climatizing your taste to it. Kind of like when you listen to a bad pop song and you're like, I hate that. But then it like mm-hmm. plays on the radio so much that you like, it becomes a thing that your body recognizes. It doesn't make it suddenly better, you know, and in fact, it may be only getting better because you're familiar with it. But like, you've kind of had to like, you've been forced to shift your taste be- to something because you've become familiar with it, you know? Oh, that's my whole thing. Yeah. I just trick myself into think into, into learning things. Yeah. Cause if I actually have to sit down and learn them, I won't. Yeah. Yeah. That's my whole thing. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I've been wearing the same outfit every day for the past four years now. And that was a very intentional that was when I started thinking about performance art and mm. like my. I should clarify that Justin is wearing the same red cardigan, black shirt, black pants, black vans, but he does change them. Yeah. Because <laughs> right? oh, yeah, the way you said yeah. that made it sound like you didn't shower. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm a never, I'm a never nude. I'm a never nude. I will actually just shower with my clothes on and lather it up. Dr. Bronner, Dr. Bronner's it works miracles. Um, but it works for white people. <laughs> yeah. For me too. But, um, yeah, I, I, uh, you know, I, I recognized that I was being very performative yeah. when when I was installing work at a museum. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have to put your game face on and be nice to people, especially if the museum is still open because people will come up and ask you questions. Yeah, And you can't just be like, fuck off. I'm trying to finish this mural by Friday. I only have two more days. You have to be like, hello, hi. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah. so I'm like, oh, I'm performing all the time and it's exhausting. Well, you know, just like my mom has to put on a uniform, I'm going to put on a uniform to go to work every day. Mm -hmm. And since I'm a freelance artist, independent artist, I pretty much work every day. So I would just put on my little uniform every day. And it's just something psychological now that like, if I'm home now in my like shorts and my, you know, a different color t-shirt, then I'm off. Like I'm not working, you know, like it it actually has been very helpful. So yeah, the goal now is to just not eventually I I would like to have like one day off a week where I don't wear this outfit. Um, Maybe, maybe 2021 will be that. I mean, it's, it's for a while during the quarantine, it was weeks that I didn't wear it, which was so fun. But I definitely think that all stems from also thinking about like how we have to perform as artists every day, yeah. you know, within these institutions. Which... But do you think it's different than other types of performing? No, no, okay. it's not. It's just, I think it's just, I, I'm just calling attention yeah. to that part mm-hmm. of, because, because a lot of times I don't think people realize the amount of labor that goes into, yeah. especially as a person of color, like the amount of labor that goes into just having conversations with people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, or they see 
you know, a lot of these like, uh, you know, like having meetings and doing emails and setting up a Zoom thing. And I'm like, get the, this is fucking work and y'all are not paying me for it. So yeah, mm-hmm. if Repl- I yeah, reply to emails, it's a reminder to yeah. me when I put it on, it's like, I'm on the clock and I'm not being paid mm-hmm. for this. This mm-hmm. needs to change mm-hmm. also, you know, so it's also yeah, yeah, a yeah. reminder of that. That's yeah. smart. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because oof, no matter what institution you're working for, if they can get away with not paying you for something, they definitely will. Yeah. Okay. Like right now, I can't say too much about it, but this is the second time I've been recruited by a casting company to be on a reality competition show Ooh. related to making stuff. Yeah. And and uh, I always make it to be a finalist. Like, okay, you're almost going to be on the show. You just need to prove yourself now by doing this, this, and this. And now, and I'm at the point of like, and then they're like, and this is what we're going to pay you for being on the show. And literally my jaw dropped and I'm like, people do it for this much pay. Like this is nothing. Like I'm worth like, not even the amount of times I spent filling out the, all these fucking contracts and forms equals Mm. the amount of pay you're going to give me for however many days of shooting, you know, like this is insane, but it's because it's, Oh, it's a game show or whatever. Or it's a reality show. Like we don't pay people. And I'm like, well, you can't do the show without the people. So why don't you pay them like their actual talent, you know? And so it made, it makes me realize that I should have said no to this, first of all. Do you get paid um, for all the lead up to, you know, all these different tests or? No, you don't. Hmm. You don't get paid because it's like, this is an opportunity for you oh, to yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. win money. Yeah, yeah. Expo- and I'm like, free, free exposure. I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah, but it's like, it made me realize that we think the art world is fucked when it comes to like us not getting paid by these institutions. Hollywood doesn't give a fuck about people mm. either. Well, you know, all, like all the arts are fucked. All the arts. So yeah, it's it, they're in the actors are in the same fucking boat or just like production people because it's like I could not believe. And they, and they were telling me like, oh, and we're gonna give you this much because we really like you. And this is like <laughs> ex, this is like extra. And I was like, um. This isn't even, and I just have to be like, I'm going to be completely transparent with you guys on this phone call. What you're offering me right now isn't even equal a, a, a day rate, one day honorarium for me for doing what I do as a living. <laughs> it's not good. Exactly. Oh my God. It's like, I'm sure you've heard ex, like what they pay extras to be in, in on yeah. sets for a day. Yeah. Like that's nothing, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Anyway, it's like, uh, you know, you really got to know your worth as an artist or else people just take advantage of you. You know, you have dreams of being on television or on the radio when you're a kid or I did anyway. And then once you find out that, oh, you've you've already you've already been on TV, Z1. Um, So you're like, check, been there, done that. Um, The that it's just it's kind of soul crushing when you're like, oh. This is how they treat people on television shows. And I watch that and like, I'm okay with that. It's also like a little yeah. Bit sad. Yeah. 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 But, you know, hashtag blessed. Wow. Thank <laughs> you for thinking of me. So, yeah. So I, so this today is the day where I'm like, am I going to just like put on my uniform, get into character and mm-hmm. be like, sure, whatever you need. Or am I going to be like, 
nah, fuck this. I, I can't. It's not worth my energy. The one thing that I am looking forward to, though, is like leaving Las Vegas because I haven't left here since March. Mm. And it seems like this production is taking COVID very seriously. So they will pay for rapid COVID testing several Mm. times through this process just to make sure. Because Hollywood's doing this whole thing where like you have to like get tested two days or whatever before you go to the location then at the location they test you then you have to quarantine until the results are back then you can join the rest of the crew kind of thing you know like everybody has to go through constant which is great it's very safe Mm -hmm. um so i'm like well if i'm going to take a road trip it might as well be set in this setting where are you going for the road trip hollywood baby los angeles are you serious (laughs) yeah that's where they're filming it oh okay (laughs) yeah all right, and then what else do you have going on? You have, I think you you said you had a, you have, well, you have a few things, right? You have a thing for Meow Wolf. You have a show at Mass Mocha. <gasps> oh yeah, um, I'm in a group show at Mass Mocha. Uh, is it is up? Is it right now? Yeah, it's been up since um, October, and they October they, of last year. Yeah, but because of COVID. Um, anyway because of covid we weren't able to do it and they're like oh damn well nobody's gonna see this show because the the mass mocha has been closed this whole time so they've extended it so i Mm. think it'll be open till next october so so a whole nother year yeah they've extended it yes so that people can see it so yeah yeah, check it out if you're in the how far away is north adams from you two and a half hours (sighs) Ziwa, go okay. see it. You're so yeah. close. So close. <laughs> Two and a half hours is so close. Two and a half hours to be in an enclosed public space. Oh, it's a giant. It's I know, giant I know, warehouse. I know. I know. You'll I know. be fine. I've been there a few times. <laughs> yeah. I've never been. I've never been. It's I'm be- so it's, excited. It's, it's a beautiful space. Yeah. I was so excited to go in March and then it did not happen. And then I'm um, so that's up now. I have, I think there's like 10 of my paintings in that show. It's oh, a pretty wow. big display wow. okay. of, the, of the Velasco paintings we discussed. And um, and I still have a big installation up at the Eamon Carter Museum of American Art in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh-huh. That show comes down in November, November 15th. Mm-hmm. So I'm also going to take a road trip to go. Usually when I make my installations, I just let them kind of do whatever with it. I just, just, I usually have them destroy it or yeah. donate it, but I'm going to actually go get some of it. So I'm going to take a road trip out of there to, to Texas, there, to Texas, to Texas. Yeah. I made a replica of the Alexander Calder that they have at the museum, like the mobile, mm-hmm. but I made it look like nachos instead mm-hmm. of just metal triangles. I love and that piece. <laughs> yeah. So I want to go get it because they're, they're, they don't have room for it in the collection. That's what they said. <laughs> So I'm like, well, don't get rid of it. I want it back because I made it. And so I'm going to go get it. And instead of them shipping it to me, I convinced them to just pay me to drive out there to get it. And I love them and they love me. And I can't wait to see the curators and all the staff. I had a great time there. So I'm excited to go see everybody Mm. and, you know, see everybody from a distance and then drive (laughs) back home the 20 hours or whatever. But, you know, I'll stop along the way. So, yeah. And then. I'm actually in this art, this local Las Vegas artist collective called Gulch Collective. How do you spell that? And Gulch, G-U-L-C-H. Okay, Gulch. Okay. Um, it's based on an old casino called the Glitter Gulch because that's okay. what they used to call Las Vegas. Does it have a meaning? 
Yeah, Gulch is like um it's kind of like a sexual innuendo because it's like uh <laughs> the glitter gulch was a strip club in mm. uh on Fremont Street mm. with that had the girl that the cowgirl that kicked her leg up and yeah. down. Mm-hmm. That's that famous sign. Um but gulch is like a ravine or like a wash, like a where water flows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what a gulch that's what mm. a gulch is. Okay. Yeah, so the Marjorie Barrick Museum of Art years, years, years ago was a natural history museum. And this woman and her family donated all these pre-Columbian artifacts. And I'm saying that in quotes that were basically okay. like grave robbed from mm-hmm. West Mexico and different parts of Latin America. And they donated all of those artifacts to the Barrick Museum. The Barrick since then has evolved as a museum. It is no longer a natural history museum. Which is fucked up that those artifacts were considered natural history. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. But they have this collection of all these. Some of them are artifacts. Some of them, you could kind of tell they were just like tourist tchotchkes that they probably sold them that were not actual artifacts, you know, old, old vessels or whatever. Anyway, they have all this collection that's really problematic because there's no information about it. It's just mm. like literally somebody's like, display cabinets that yeah. that were emptied out and donated to the museum and so now it's the marjorie Burke museum of art mm-hmm. and it's a contemporary art museum that is now in this time really dealing with their collection and thinking about what they have and what mm-hmm. it means and yeah. so the director like i'm so happy that they have her there they're like we need to give these back to other institutions yeah, yeah, yeah. or to Mexico. Like let's, let's, we can just somebody, somebody that can actually use them for educational purposes or yeah, yeah. say something important about yeah. this cult, these cultures. And so they're slowly deaccessioning that collection. Mm. And so the artwork that Gulch has curated for this show is all contemporary Latinx artists, mostly, I think all of them are from Nevada um, that are responding to that idea of, mm-hmm. of deaccessioning the collection yeah, yeah. and thinking about modern day Latinx culture and what our future relics will be. Mm. And so it's like a it's like a back to the future kind of show. Yeah, yeah. About about this idea of like collecting someone's culture. Yeah. And so that show is actually going to be up through next August. And it's a it's in three phases. So right now there's six artists. And then in January, we were inviting another six artists to respond. So you're the curator for that, right? I'm one of the curators. Yeah. And then another batch of Latinx artists to respond in a few months. And then, so the collection will keep growing um, as, as time goes on. So yeah, that's at the Marjorie Barrick Museum of Art. And um, yeah, those are, those are just a few of the projects that I'm working on right now. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Anything else I missed? You know, I just ramble. <laughs> no. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I feel like I've heard this on your show and just like on a lot of shows, just like how people. I've been talking about this on Latinos Who Lunch too. Just people are are just going through it right now, and a lot of people are kind of saving face and and pretending to be stronger than they are. Mm. But these times suck, and mm. like I think that I'm really gonna take the time to just like. What this has taught me, which sounds really privileged and you feel guilty about it, is like, oh, to really take a step back and think about like how you spend your energy, like we mentioned, but also like let yourself, you know, feel depressed, feel sad, feel angry, because if you don't, oh my gosh, you're going to get an ulcer, you know, (laughs) like... 
<laughs> like everything is not okay. Yeah. Everything is not okay. And, um, and that's it may not be fact. okay for a while. And it won't be, and it won't be. Yeah. And so just saying that, I think, and, and acknowledging that, and then thinking about how you can help yourself and help other people, you know, I think is, is really important right now. You know, we, we all want to go back to normal, whatever that means, but it's not, it's never going to be that anymore. Yeah. So let's figure out. So right now I'm just thinking like, let's figure out like what we really want to do and what really makes us happy. And I don't know if I'll ever know that, but I'm working towards that, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so that's, that's, that's where I am right now, because honestly, like, you know, these pinata paintings are gorgeous, but they take me so long to make. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how long I can do this for. It's not fun for me anymore. You know? Yeah. Because uh, in the back of my head, I'm always thinking like, oh, of course, these are the most tedious, fucking laborious pieces of artwork I could have ever invented to make because I value labor. I value phys- physical pain and labor so much that, that that's what my art is about. <laughs> but I didn't even know that's what it was about, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then you became a performance artist. I know. I know. Oh my gosh. What about with you though? Are you feeling, I don't know. Are you still feeling inspired? Um, I don't know if inspired is the right word. I've sort of taken a break. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, I think one of the things I've slowly come to realize, and then I, I started talking about this in a few of the episodes starting in January, but sort of like, what does success look like? You know, and I, I realize, you know, success can be, you know, just being able to make your work over the long period of time. Yeah. And so I've kind of taken the pressure off, especially, you know, post, I, I remember like grad school and then right after post grad school, everyone's like, oh, you got to do this, this and this. And like, but then like, I was also like, it's also important that I feel like I can keep making art after that. And so I think like, trying to find a sustainable way to still make my work. Um, mm. And so like, I'm, I'm still filming, but I'm not like really editing or making anything out of it. I'm letting myself like read things that I've always wanted to read, but haven't been able to because I'm either working on my art or like writing grant proposals or, you know, you just don't have enough time to do everything that you want to do. So, you know, to like at least step back, you know, like you said, and having the privilege to step back and read and just like, you know, I know that I'll be eventually making, but I don't feel the pressure to make right now. Now, I also don't think I have anything to say or I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I guess I'm not t- totally inspired to make any specific thing because I just, I just, I'm not sure art right now has anything to say. That's sort of my, my, mm. my feeling, you know? Yeah. Because anything I put out right now, the, I just, I question like what, its use would be in this moment you know like not to like calling you out and it's i think it's all cool if like you know you're still painting or making drawings but i'm just like in my, the way i see it is just like does the world need that right now and mm-hmm. not that the world needs anything if anything i think the world needs less human activity in general <laughs> yeah so but yeah i don't know so that's sort of what i'm thinking about and I'm just allowing myself to do the things surround all the things surrounding the actual art making 
to sort of letting myself feel, like you said, and allowing my feelings to dictate, you know, what I'm making or in this case, what I'm not making. Yeah. Hmm. How are you? So maybe this is too personal, but you just made me think about this. Yeah, go for it. I honestly, I surround myself with a lot of people all the time. Yeah. And because of the situation now, I, I feel like, I think maybe for the first time in my life, I felt lonely. And I know that you're a very independent person. And so I'm wondering if you feel that at all right now, because even though like I travel by myself all the time, for years I've been alone in hotel rooms and whatever, like I've never felt truly lonely because I'm always working and surrounded by teams of people and my family yeah. and friends. And now, yeah. now we ca- I can't even hug my friends, you know, yeah. like it's weird. Yeah. So, you know, that sounds fucked up, but it's like, that's kind of inspiring me right now to like think differently yeah, about like what I want and what I need. But I, I know that you've kind of been cooped up too. Like, does that, I don't know, has that affected the way that you're thinking about human interaction? I don't know. <laughs> Just like existing. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, have, I think I have a lot of different thoughts, right? Um, so many things to do in life. You know, and I'm yeah. actually enjoying my time here, but I'm I'm not really alone, right? Like I'm living with my parents. I, I've had this sort yeah. of, you know, beautiful moment of reconnecting with my parents. I think I had this moment, I think in April, where I was sort of like the amount that I've learned about my parents, I would never have learned if I, this didn't happen. God, that's beautiful. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then I was also thinking like, I've been doing all these residencies in the middle of nowhere. And then now I'm back in a middle of nowhere place. And, you know, I've hated middle of nowhere places forever. But then once I started doing these residencies, I started appreciating it. And then my home is basically that. Right. And so, yeah, I don't know. I've been like really enjoying, like, I remember also thinking recently, like, man, I wouldn't mind having a ranch in New Mexico and just staring out the sunset and like reading or like drinking a glass of wine. And like, that sounds like, and just doing that on repeat while like, you know, making some art or like every now and then, yeah, just watching a movie and just like that. I was like, I can understand how someone can just do that for their entire, you know, that's so interesting. If you want to get in on this, let me know. Because my friend Michaela and I, we're seriously, and her partner Kindo, Uh we're having like serious conversations about like investing in a property and like basically investing in a ranch. (laughs) Like we're basically going to start an art cult. (laughs) And uh, this is the way of saying, do you want to be part of it? No, Um, (laughs) you just have to drink blood. Just mix all of it together. Done. Done. Just add some some vodka in it, right? (laughs) Yeah, a real Bloody Mary. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, don't, don't, don't make sure you put the hot sauce in it. So, no, but we're being, having serious conversations and like, oh, I'm tired of paying rent in these like overpriced studio spaces. I want to buy a house, but at the same time, I don't want to buy a house because I like to travel. But like, what if we buy like a studio slash art space slash like community garden slash you know like <laughs> it's a it's like very hippie like commune right now yeah, but yeah. it's like but we're just like 
literally looking at land in Nevada, like, well, let's do something now because that is kind of a fantasy, you know, like, and we all have our little cottage and then we, you know, mm -hmm. we can all share the chickens and the egg, you know, like (laughs) just having these fantasies, it's like, but it's also like very doomsday preppery. Like it has all these undertones of like, yeah, yeah, it's the end of the world. So let's just have fun and like, and build a little ranch for ourselves. It's so expensive. We just gotta, we just gotta find the right opportunity, maybe the right investor. So yeah. So I'll, I'll send you the, um, the I'll send details. you the proposal. Yeah, yeah. See if you're into it, okay. you know, yeah. see what you can contribute to the budget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can bring in some investors. Yeah. Um, anybody listening, if you're interested. Yeah. Can, you gotta find talking. it, you gotta get a catchy name so that people can invest in. That's the first most important oh, thing. Oh, that's right. With no syllables. In, I mean, with no uh, syllables. With no <laughs> vowels. Vowels. <in. laughs> oh my God. I've been watching that Nexium documentary on HBO. Is that, that's about oh. the cult, right? That guy? Yeah, yeah. The vow. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm obsessed with cults. So maybe that's what I'm doing. I'm starting my own because I'm yeah. so obsessed with cults. Sign I'm just taking notes. I'm like, okay, let's see what L. Ron Hubbard did when it came to <laughs> land management. I guess I got to buy a yacht. Okay. <laughs> I got to buy an old Navy boat. Yeah. And just start recruiting children to clean it. Oh, um, so <laughs> the footprint is there, you know, like yeah. the blueprint is the there. Blueprint, all throughout history. And the, yeah. <laughs> Every government. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But. I do see that. I see that for you, Zilon. I yeah. see it. New Mexico, huh? It is beautiful there. It yeah. is beautiful. But um, yeah, it was great catching up with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I was glad to have you on the show. I mean, it's always nice, right? Just like chatting. And I think like you said, it's always nicer to talk to someone who you know, because always like people you don't know, there's always like this, yeah, you just don't know how they talk, how they respond. And you're always performing. Right. When you're talking, when you're you're interviewing someone you don't know. Oh my God. I got to talk to you about this real quick. I know we got to go, but really quick. So what I've realized recently is that I think some people consider me a journalist because of the podcast and which I am not, but because I mean, which both both LWL and our people pod. Yeah. Like our people pod and LWL, like I'm considered an expert at things now because of the podcast Cause you can say like, Oh, I've done, have over 2 million downloads and yeah. I've done a hundred and whatever episodes and this and that. Yeah. And so like, I'm being asked to like host discussions on our local NPR radio station. And like, it's been a couple times now that episodes of art people pod have been quoted in articles. Oh, that's great. And it's, which is great, but it's like, so now I also have this thing. It's like, fuck it do I secretly want to be a journalist? Is this what's happening to me right now? And so then I've also had these thoughts of like, fuck, maybe I should go to school to get a degree in journalism. I'm not going to do that because I don't like to read, but (laughs) (laughs) it's something that I like really considered. I'm like, Oh, I could, I could actually get really good at this if I wanted to, if I wanted to to put the energy into that. But did you, but I don't know, like people put, it's funny. People put my podcast as like a, some sort of socially engaged art project, oh. right? I mean, it has a, a sort of a, a engagement with uh, some sort of pseudo social activism, and then it's art, sort of pseudo art. I don't know what whatever you want to call it. I don't. 
it can be. I'm not going to say if it is or isn't, if someone wants to call it that, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see, I see it. Yeah. Kind of, I do it for the same reasons you started LWL and our people pot right? as a way to yeah. like, talk to people, have sort of a conversation, learn about myself, learn about other people, practice talking about, you know, both to people I don't know and practice talking about just how, how to talk about art and how to talk about people, how to talk about culture, all those different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? We might be getting the next Pulitzer. Watch <laughs> out. <laughs> it's going to be us for the art people pod for wishy-washy conversations about art. Thank you so much. Should we end on that? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Seeing Color is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Z1 Chung. Original music by Alex Chow. You can find more information on the website, www.seeingcolorpod.com, or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Seeing Color Pod. If you enjoy this show and have the time, I'd appreciate if you could go to Apple Podcast or wherever you listen and give Seeing Color a five-star review. This really helps others discover the show and gives greater visibility for everyone on Seeing Color. Again, thank you so much for listening and goodbye for now. <laughs>